welcome to the Hungry Authors Podcast. A hungry author is someone who is, quite simply, hungry for it. They're willing to do what it takes to achieve their writing dreams. If that resonates, you're in the right place. I'm Ariel. And I'm Liz. We're two book coaches, editors, and writers here to help you get there. We interview experts and chat about all things publishing and writing to educate and build a community of successful writers, whatever that means to you. Welcome. Let's get started. Welcome to season two of the Hungry Authors podcast. Yay! We're back from summer. So excited. Yay. Summer break. Break from podcasting. Anyway, yep. our life went on in many other ways. This episode's just going to be a quick summary of what we did this summer, our book, the process, looking ahead a little bit at what comes next. Yeah, it feels fun to be back at the podcasting mic. We've done a couple interviews already that we've got lined up with some amazing people, some dream guests. Um, but let's start with like a little recap. Okay, what we did this summer. I'll go first. It's funny, like we took a break from podcasting, but in every other way, my life kind of felt the same over summer, except, you know, took, vaca- took more vacations than usual. But um, my kids are little so they don't like have a break from school they have a year-round daycare so they were still in school one of the big things it's like super boring but one of the big hallmarks of my summer was actually taking my son to swim lessons ariel was impacted by that because it was over our um book mapping beta workshop that we ran for six (laughs) weeks like the most intense i don't know if y'all have ever heard of um isr infant swim and rescue my son is almost four. Um, so he is not an infant, but it ranges up to like six years old. ISR swim. It's amazing. Your kid learns to swim. They also learn all these safety lessons where they flip over. Like the test at the very end is they, um, push them in, in sweats and they have to flip over and float. Yeah. Oh, I send you a video of Weston. Oh my gosh. In sweats. I don't know if I could do that. I think I would drown. Yeah. He had to do it. You had to do it in winter clothes. They, simulate a fall in clothes you have to do it in summer and winter clothes actually and then they have to flip over on their back float until the instructor says and then they have to swim to the wall and get out oh my goodness so anyway so weston did that so that's that's all that but the reason why it feels like a big deal is because it is um at least it's six weeks long every single day for six weeks. Wow. So that's what we did for a lot of the summer. He did learn to swim. He's an amazing swimmer. It, it made our summer a lot better because we could just trust him in the water and mm. you know, he had a lot more fun and we didn't have to worry about that. So kind of feels like not that big a deal, but it really did impact our summer. The summer that your kid learns to swim is like kind of a big deal. So that was great. We did um, a number of beach trips. We went to uh, Santa Rosa, Florida with my dad in June. I went to Charleston a couple times. Once, actually, I went to Charleston to um, hang out with a client, which was great. And then I ended up seeing some friends. In the meantime, we went back to Charleston and did a beach trip in Charleston. We did our normal St. Augustine trip a couple weeks ago, which my family always does, to St. Augustine Beach. We went to to, to Jacksonville. We're from Jacksonville. We spent our whole childhood and uh, adolescence there. And a lot of our family is still down there. So we did Jacksonville, which we always do. Had people come and visit us, kept on working on projects, worked on our book. We'll get to that in a minute, but that was, that's been consuming a lot of our time lately. I mean, that's pretty much 
that's my summer, like swimming yeah. and beach. I mean, that's basically a pretty generic Sounds summer. Sounds like a good summer. Yeah, that's pretty much what we did. I can't think of much else. I mean, my family and I walked through the first anniversary of my brother's death in June. Mm-hmm. So that was a big um, yeah. milestone for us, a hard one, a good one, lots to reflect on. Um, so that was something we went through in June, felt like an important part of my summer. Yeah, I think that's it. What about you? What are the high points, low points, whatever of your summer? If I had to summarize my summer in just two words, it would be vegetables and writing. (laughs) That sounds healthy. (laughs) Yeah, it was very healthy, actually, because for the past few years, every summer, you know, we've been in Tennessee. My husband and I have been trying to do a garden we have just like failed horribly in years past. And it's because we discovered we had the garden in the wrong place. So we had it in this like more rocky kind of shady spot, which obviously experienced gardeners listening to this are like, you crazies. Why would you do that? Why would you have it there? And thankfully our neighbor was like, that's a terrible place to put your garden. You should move it into the middle of your yard, which Hmm. to us was like, well, that's not fun. Now my husband has to like mow around it. Anyways, Mm -hmm. we moved it based on her recommendation and lo and behold, she was right. Our garden exploded. We have like every single week for the past, like two months, we have been collecting cucumbers. Like you would not believe massive freaking cucumbers. I eat like two cucumbers a day now. It's insane. A lot of like, I don't know how many more cucumbers I can eat. I'm not sick of them yet though. So that's good. Well, that's good. We have so many tomatoes frozen in our freezer right now that wow. we'll be able to use to make spaghetti sauce for like the next five years. Like, I don't know if we need to do another garden next year because we got so many cucumbers and salads this year. <laughs> yeah. So that's been a, a big part of my summer. And then the other big part was honestly just writing and it's been really peaceful and kind of neat getting into a rhythm for the first time of like, I wake up every day, I have breakfast, I eat my cucumber and, (laughs) and then I get started writing and I write for several hours usually. And it's been like, I feel like I've learned so much about myself and my own writing rhythms and, you know, the mindset that I'm in and what feels comfortable and what feels not comfortable. And I'm like, I'm so grateful that I've had this kind of like, it feels like a little bit of an incubator time to just like really soak in all of the writing. And I've never had this much time dedicated to writing in my life. And it's been really neat. Um, not just with our own book, but also with some client books going on and everything. So it has been a an interesting summer of growth for me, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been pretty cool. I'm a little bit sad that it's uh, coming to a close here pretty soon. But let's talk about the book and how the writing has been going. And I know I've gotten a lot of people asking, like, how are you and Liz doing this? Are you splitting up the chapters? Are you like writing one and then switching and then editing each other? Like, how is that working? So do you want to just share kind of what we've been doing? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, the quick answer is like, yes, we just split them in half. Well, I have seven. How many do you have? Uh, I think I that's about right. Cause we okay. had already, I mean, we already had a few done for the proposal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then I have we split the rest. New ones. Yeah. So I, yeah, we basically split them in half. We have three already written from the proposal. 
we split them in half. It broke down pretty naturally because we teach and talk about this stuff all the time. So we pretty much just divided up the parts that, you know, we'd already when when we teach together, who takes those slides? We we've um developed like within our content, we each now have our own little niches or expertises yeah. like you always do transformation tale right. i always do big idea i always do book structure you always do chapter structure it's like i yep. don't know how it worked out that way but it just always that's how we do it now yep um so a lot of it broke down like that there were some at the end that we both that we just sort of like split you know like you do hybrid i'll do self or whatever mm-hmm publishing, publishing by the way <laughs> but yeah we split it in half so because we'd already done the proposal together we and written those chapters together yeah we had decent experience um just writing and swapping and editing each other and having a decent idea how each other writes and like what we're trying to do here but i mean the basic process is yeah we'll we'll finish our chapters in the next week or two and then spend the last you know three two to three weeks like swapping and making sure that everything is a unified voice smoothed out Mm -hmm. now two to three weeks in that our goal to submit is October 1st, which is a month ahead of right. deadline. Our deadline is actually November 1st. Yes. But you tell the people yeah. why we're doing that. Well, first of all, it's always nice to get things in early. Yes. Because you want to be timely when you're working with um, a publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's because we are hoping that maybe if we turn it in early, our book might be able to publish early, which is not a promise that our editor made for us, but it was something that we discussed as a possibility. And she said, you know, our, our book right now is scheduled to come out in September, 2024, which is kind of the height of presidential election season. It is going to be craziness over there. And so we thought, you know, if we could even have like an extra month or so, to promote the book and kind of get ahead of all of that. August just feel it's like the beginning of the fall publishing mm-hmm. season. Um, it would be easier to travel in that time when like kids aren't in school and everything. So, um, you know, if we're going to do any events together, that would kind of be an ideal time. So we are turning it in early with the hope, not the promise, but the hope that, um, that maybe we'll be able to have it publish early as well in 2024. And that way it'll get into, um, all of your hands a lot faster, which is always ideal. Yeah. So best part, hardest part. I don't know. I mean, best part has just been thinking through this material again. I always like, I feel like every time we prep for a masterclass or um, the book mapping beta that we did, we've got, we're going to turn a lot of what we do into a membership. That was the whole point of the book mapping beta course that we run. We are also in the process of creating a membership. And so thinking through how to write, you know, two to 3000 words on each of these subjects, um, every time we teach it and address it, I just am grateful for the opportunity to think through it again. If I can say something better, can I use a better example? that's probably been the best part. I mean, honestly, and just writing something for us, like we both do a lot of ghost writing and I love my ghost writing clients, but every now and then I forget how good it feels to just write as me, you know, like write something for me for, I mean, obviously for our audience, but you know what I mean? Something that's just mine and ours Mm -hmm. and our knowledge and expertise. And so that's been a little bit of just kind of like a nice respite, like 
I we both had a lot of projects, a lot of stuff going on, and it has felt like um, I don't know, kind of a bright spot in some of that. I don't know, hardest part. Like I haven't found it like especially hard. I'm sure that like when we start swapping and editing, we'll find holes and we'll find oh, where we were not aligned when we wrote about this. Yeah. And you know the normal things that you find in like dev editing and stuff. But I mean, not to be all rainbows and sunshine, but I haven't found a lot of it like super hard yet so yeah. that's been kind of nice I don't know what about you best part hard part yeah I think I've been happily surprised at how much I had to say about things I don't know I think of myself as a fairly um concise person like I don't tend to just like ramble on in my writing or anything but I have been surprised at kind of the strong feelings that some of these topics have brought out in me and how much I have to say, like yeah. I wrote the chapter on traditional publishing. And let me tell you, the section on platform was like five pages long. It was like 2000 words yeah. all by itself. I and actually I was- just read a comment. <laughs> I can't remember what chapter it was, but I was looking through some stuff today oh, and the top comment at the top of the chapter, you said you called it a monstrosity. Yeah. Yeah. And to be, I mean, honestly, in September, when we get to editing all of this, we're going to, I know we're going to have to cut many of my darlings, Yeah, but I think that's been like, honestly, kind of fun to be like, oh, I really do have a lot to say here. Some of these chapters I know are way too long, but I would honestly rather have that problem. And even though I write for a living, I don't know, sometimes it's still, there's still a confidence level to this of like, I'm still newer in this game. And, you know, even though I've been coaching authors for a long time, I haven't actually been doing a lot of my own writing, especially in a public way for a long time. And so to know that like, oh, I really do have like a lot in me to say, that was actually quite validating. I think the, the hardest part Oh, honestly, I didn't actually think about that. I wrote these questions and then I didn't actually consider what my answers would be. <laughs> I mean, I think it's ahead of us. Like, yeah, that's true. I do honestly, think it's ahead of us. I don't always find getting the words out the hard part, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, editing is usually hard or realizing there's a huge flaw in your framework is hard, mm-hmm. you know, like that sort of a thing. But yes, I don't know, like we're doing the thing that we coach people to do all the time. We're writing the book about the thing that we're known for. We're writing the book about our expertise, like not to like uh, out myself as a lazy ghostwriter, but this is why I like writing with writing for thought leaders and digital entrepreneurs. They have a message already. They know what they want to say. They tend to Mm -hmm. be easy clients because of that. And that's, you know, it makes sense yeah. that this would, that we would have a lot to say and that we would more or less know what, what we want to say about it because yeah. we've been doing it. We've been practicing in public. We've already gotten a lot of feedback in all the different rounds of, yeah. you know, manners of teaching, teaching it. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the hardest chapter for me to write has actually been the last one, which was on the hybrid publishing. So part yeah. four of our book is on the different publishing models and helping authors kind of decide which one is right for you. So we have a chapter on um, traditional publishing uh, and then self-publishing and hybrid. And the chapter on hybrid, for some reason, I was just like, I don't really know where to start. It just felt, it felt so straightforward. Like, I don't know. It's just the, it's just hybrid. It's just a mid, you know, it's between the two, but then kind of, as I 
started pushing through that, I was like, okay, there, you know, there is more to say here. I can explain kind of the criteria and help people avoid like falling for scams because there's a lot of scams in the hybrid publishing world. It's kind of the wild west. Yeah. Publishing land. Um, so I actually kind of leaned into that instinct and it it became a lot easier. Yeah. Remember when I showed up to our call like a few weeks ago and I was like, I don't have anything to say about self-publishing. Yeah. What am I going to write about self-publishing? And not because it's not valid. I mean, we talk all the time about how self-publishing can be a great choice for people. It's just, it felt like you said about hybrid where it was like, well, this is self-publishing. Like what else is there to say about it? But then you helped me talk through it and you're like, but there's so many benefits. Yes. What's the criteria? How do you make that decision? Oh Mm -hmm. yes. Like I do know people that have self-published and I do know we've talked to people on this podcast who've done it really Mm -hmm. successfully. We, we know people in our lives who are really close to us who fall, come down real hard on the self-publishing side, you know, like what's the case. We have people in our lives who we trust, experts, who when we said we want a traditional publish, they're like, no, don't do that. You should right. publish, you know, and then right. but it was only in thinking through that that I was like, oh, yeah, like, OK, yeah. let's, um, you know, let's get into some of that stuff. Yeah, but, we kind of yeah. had to. I mean, it's been interesting throughout this process. We really had to practice what we preach, you know, and like you have a chapter on mining for content. And that's what I felt like I, I had to kind of do with the hybrid chapter is like, okay, I need to really kind of dig deep here and do almost like a brain map of like, what are all the possible things that need to be said? And what are putting myself in the reader's shoes? Like what questions would a reader have about hybrid publishing? And so where can I, you know, where can I start with all of that? Um, and then looking for great resources online. So yeah, it's been neat. Okay. So we're going to turn it in a month early. We're going to yep. really hope that um, because we have done that and because we more or less know what we're doing and we'll turn in a pretty clean draft that won't need a ton of editing, that um, all the turnaround process will be pretty quick. Um, we have not published with um, Rowan and Roman and Littlefield before. So Every publisher is a little bit different, but in general, we'll like the way it goes is we'll turn it in. They'll have it for a number of weeks, maybe a month or two at the most, mm-hmm. we hope. They will do uh, probably it will just go straight to line editing. I don't think it will need a dev edit and most publishers yeah. don't leave a lot of time for that anyway. So we'll, they'll, the editor will have it and they'll she'll do a round of editing and um send it back to us. It'll be in our court for another couple of weeks to a month. Um, we will turn it back to her. And then at that point, um, there's usually, I mean, and Ariel, you like correct me on anything, but just the the traditional houses that I've worked with lately, we usually do about two rounds of that sort of back and forth in the Word doc. Mm-hmm. They get progressively more, um, you know, granular, the edits do, and fewer of them and then by the second Mm -hmm. time well one two three the third time we kick it back to them then we're starting to look more at like proofs and stuff well so for those who don't know kind of after you know after you turn it in to your editor and they do their editing for a couple months like liz said goes to copy editing and everything and then when she mentions proof proofs what that is so the word documents have to be at some point converted into print ready pdfs right that are designed and kind of styled um however the interior of the book is going to look so making sure all the chapter headings are formatted the same way and the page numbers are formatted the right way and you know it's got kind of all of the stylistic elements kind of implemented that's something that happens in typesetting 
So it'll go through typesetting. I don't know exactly how long that process takes with Roman and Littlefield at the publisher that I worked at. It was about two months. It was like six weeks or so. Then you do a couple rounds of proof reading. So this is always something that bothers me is when people say proofreading and what they really mean is copy editing because yeah. proofreading is correcting and looking at the proofs before they go to print. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we'll do a few rounds of that and then it will be ready to go to print, I assume. And in the meantime, as we're doing kind of simultaneously, we'll be working on the cover and marketing copy and uh, all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. So you can see why publishing takes, you know, 18 to 24 months typically, because there's a lot of steps that happen and, you know, people have a lot of going, a lot going on in their lives. They don't have time to immediately drop everything to read your book and get it back to you. <laughs> yeah. And like when we send it off, it's different for every publisher and, you know, book and all that kind of stuff. But like, we will finish this process sometime in the fall, early winter is when mm -hmm. we will wrap this up. And then it will be a number of months before we see it again, you know, yeah. like you finish and then it's got to go to print. And like, it's a, there's like just a section of time where like, there's, there's nothing left to do for us. Anyway, everyone yeah. on the printing end is doing all of their stuff, but right. You know, and then we'll get like some advanced reader copies and stuff, like hopefully mm -hmm. a month or two before it comes out. But in general, like you finish up and then you just kind of wait. But yeah. in the meantime, we'll have plenty of time to think about marketing too. So we've, uh, we've got a lot to do there as well to get ready. Yeah. So you mentioned one of the reasons why we're trying to get it out a little early is the presidential election. We are mm -hmm. trying not to compete as much as we can, not to compare ourselves to the <laughs> magnitude of a presidential election. <laughs> but if we're going to be pitching ourselves, even to local media, you know, even yep. we're trying to get on like our local news shows or do it into bookshops, like everything around this time is just presidential election and po po politics focused yep. and we want to try to not compete with that as much as we can so we're going to try and yeah try and see if we can't publish early so in the meantime yeah we're continuing to um well a couple things we are our fall is primarily focused on editing our book when it comes back around to our court but in the meantime working on the content for our membership um, we don't have a launch date for that yet. It will probably be early next year, but we are going to build out um, a membership platform that will have a lot of our um, teaching in it and a lot of extra amazing cool bonuses and there'll be a community aspect to it. So yep. we are going to be um, taking all of the feedback that we got from our book mapping beta course. Yeah. And turning it into something even like bigger and better for everybody. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned on that. That's one of the main things we're working on. Yes. Continuing to platform build, like we're doing all the things that we have to tell our clients to do and tell all of our listeners to do is continue to be out yeah. there talking about our message, spreading the word about the book, uh, making TikToks. I can't yep. believe I am saying this, but you should go follow me on TikTok because apparently <laughs> I've become one who uses TikTok and I really am enjoying it lately. I'm, I was on a roll there for a minute, but I've had some major deadlines come up. But after this book gets in, 
back on our TikTok game, back on our Instagram game, yeah. back on our email game, you know, all the things. Yeah. I've been a little surprised how like I, this is terrible and okay. I feel so hypocritical now, but in the past when authors are like, they like shut themselves down during writing time and like take themselves off of social media and stuff. And I was like, oh, I would never do that. Like I'm totally <laughs> going to keep up with social media while writing. Okay. The people who follow me on social media know that <laughs> that has not happened. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going into my cave. I am not emerging. I'm going to sit here, eat my cucumbers and, <laughs> and just write That's at awful. my desk and not be on social media. Yeah. It's actually been harder than I thought to like, you yeah. know, I, I, occasionally I would like do a TikTok or a reel or whatever, mm -hmm. but it was like really hard. I don't know why, but it felt so much more. I just, I guess I just wasn't in that headspace. So I just have to apologize to all the authors that I like, I kind of was like, Oh, weakling. <laughs> <laughs> weakling. Why are you stopping yeah. promoting yourself while you're writing this? Yeah, you're like, you got time to get on TikTok and make a video. Come on now, get on there. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, well, it's like, I mean, for one, I think it does flex a different muscle. Like, I found yeah. that, you know, like when I had time to do it, I, I enjoyed learning about how to make the videos, what to talk about, mm -hmm. researching what people are searching for. Like, I genuinely enjoy all of that. And I'm excited yeah. to, that my fall is going to involve a lot more of that. But I've heard this before. I can't remember who talked about it recently. It might've been Steph Crowder. She's a previous guest on our, on our show and she's amazing, but glass balls, you know, like we're all juggling balls. Like I hate the thought of letting anybody down. I hate the thought of not following through on anything that I said I wanted to do, whether it was internally to myself or to somebody else. But like we've got, we're all juggling balls. One of those balls is our platform and social media. And sometimes they're like, some of those balls are made of rubber and some of them are made of glass and you can only keep so many of them up in the air. And one of them is our book. And a couple of the other ones are the other books that we're working on or our clients yeah. or whatever those projects look like. And those are made of glass. Yeah. You, we cannot so drop true. them. If you drop them, they break. And one of the ones that social media will always be there. That ball is going to bounce. I hate that I dropped it or rolled under the couch. What a bummer. <laughs> it's going to be so annoying to go get, but it will be fine. I can yeah. bounce that ball again. I can get right back on it. Nobody's going to probably even care or notice and it will be right. fine. But if we like, you know, mess up the book, miss the deadline. I mean, whatever, yeah. even that would probably be okay to some degree, but it's, it's a glass ball. There's a lot of other people relying on this piece and on, us and you know whether it's this book our book or our other books like there are other people relying on us doing this piece yeah. of the process really well and it's a glass ball i mean other glass balls are like our family and i don't know mental health like whatever like yeah. um there are just things that during certain seasons you can't drop them and you gotta let other things go even if they're really good things like yeah. you know like somebody i was reading this post the other day i think this was the one that steph read posted on Instagram and she was like, my glass balls are, and she listed like her glass balls. And one of them was like health or exercise or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a, that's been a rubber ball for me lately. Like, yeah. I don't like to admit it, but 
One of the things that I just could afford to let go of was working out every day. And that's like really important to me. But in terms of if it was work out or miss a deadline or spend meaningful time with my kids, like in this season of life, that was just a a ball that I can start working out again in October. You know, that was just something I could afford to like drop. So I dropped it and that's okay. It might be a glass ball for somebody else. Yeah. 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 That's true. I, I love that analogy. You just got to give yourself grace and, and really think mm-hmm. hard about like, because for a while I wasn't willing to admit that. I was like, no, like health is really important to me. Whatever social, I've never felt social media is that important to me, but like there are other things, you know, like whatever, yeah. being able to like going on a date night every week or whatever it is, like these yeah. things, I don't compromise on these things. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you just go up to a point and you're like, it doesn't mean forever. It just means in this season, like it's, it's something I got to let go of because there are other things that are more important, um, that have a bigger impact if I drop them, you know? Yeah. So looking forward to the rest of this season, we are so happy to be back and kind of get back into our podcasting rhythm and be putting out episodes every Monday. And so we want to just give you a little preview of some of the friends of ours, new friends of ours who are coming on the podcast that you are going to love hearing from. So we have Catherine Bob Magira, who's the author of Poe for Your Problems, which love she her. has a fantastic publishing story. And we are super excited for you all to hear about that. We're also talking with our friend, Erica Anderson, who we have mentioned many times before she runs pitch and publish, and she is just like the guru on getting bylines. She is the person that we always send people to. If you want to learn how to get into the New York times or Inc or, you know, whatever major publications you need to listen to that forthcoming episode with Erica, because it's fantastic. Similarly, We also are talking with Paula Rizzo, who is a media consultant and coach, and she teaches authors how to get onto like TV. So you can already see where our mindset is starting to shift as we write our book and start to look towards marketing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Selfishly, (laughs) this is all going to be great for the Hungry Authors book. Uh Um, But no, I mean, it's it's good for all of us to know. And so we are bringing on these experts. We're also talking with Jane Friedman, who is a personal hero of mine in publishing land. Jane is fantastic. She's just, you know, she's just amazing. And I, I can't wait to share our conversation Um, with her, with all of you. And then we also have Johnny Chinichi, which I'm going to have to double check the pronunciation of his name when we chat with him, because (laughs) I don't actually know, but he is at the author's guild. And for authors, um, the author's guild is a resource that many people don't know about. And um, it's actually a really wonderful community that provides a lot of advocacy and education for authors. So we're excited to chat with him too. Um, And including some other guests, um, that we have lined up for, you know, further on in the season. So, but that's what we've got coming up, you know, in the, uh, in the near future. All right. Thanks everyone. We can't wait to get started. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for being part of the hungry authors community. If you like this episode, could you do us a huge favor, head on over to Apple podcasts and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at hungryauthors or hungryauthors.com, our website, to get more information about our masterclasses and upcoming episodes. Remember that you have a story and a message worth publishing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen. Mm -hmm.